Episode 272, The Rant, Stephen Ansari, collegiate women's basketball official and father of a college-bound athlete amid a global pandemic. On the same historic day Kamala Harris became the Democratic vice presidential nominee, we chop it up with Stephen. In this pod, we discuss his early life in New York City, becoming an official unexpectedly, elevating to the collegiate side, and what it's like to watch his daughter play basketball as a parent and not a ref. All that and more, my conversation with Stephen, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio, a state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by the revolutionary product for referees and all professionals alike, Neat Tucks. What the tuck? Traditional shirt stays have been tried and true, but never accounted for those professionals that have shorts as uniforms. What do you do when you officiate soccer or lacrosse or even basketball in the summer? Don't forget about baseball umpires, too. Enter Neat Tucks, which come in style and active versions. Don't get it twisted. You can even wear them at your 9 to 5, too. Listeners of The Rant can visit neattux.com and enter the coupon code REFEREERANT, one word, and receive 20% off your initial order. That's REFEREERANT, one word. Happy tucking. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest by way of Northern New York. Um, is on his way to a tournament for his daughter. Uh, certified basketball official, specifically on the women's side in the NCAA, and of course in the high school in the Northern New York area. Mr. Steve Ansari, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing well, man. This is Excellent. one of the most motivating persons I've ever seen. On Instagram, this guy's always working out, always making me feel, always making me feel guilty when I'm when I'm at the beach, because I'm like, man, this guy's somewhere, he's getting ready, and you know, at some point, I got to transition to to feel as though, you know, I'm I'm about to get back on the court at some point, so I, I got to at least simulate something, but you know, nonetheless, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Happy to be here. Awesome, man. So, you know. I don't even know where to start this, man. It's it's really a pleasure to meet you. Um, somebody that has stayed connected with us. Um, specifically, I know when me and Carlina, we, we joined forces earlier in the summer to do the 11-1 Rant Challenge. Man, you was just on it every day, sending those videos. It was. I hope it was an inspiration to all the officials to just to go to show how many things you can do outside of officiating, how many things you can stay engaged to be athletically inclined to to just keep motivated every day. What, what do you think was your source of inspiration uh, this particular summer? Do you think it was the pandemic? Well, it was the pandemic plus, you know, not being able to be on the court um, because of the limitations with COVID. Coupled with the fact that, you know, I, I'm, I've always been an athletic type. So I, you know, I, I wanted to start my off-season program a little earlier. So I can, you know, as opposed to getting ready, I just wanted to stay ready. Mm. So that's what kind of motivated me to 
do the 11 one uh, rant challenge as well as do my own workouts on a daily basis, you know, cause you see, I post the videos cause my main focus is to, if I can be an inspiration for an, an up and coming official, um, even if you're not officiating, if you're just watching the Instagram feed, just something where it's like, you know, this guy's 55 years old. He's been officiating a long time. If he can do this every single day, then there's no reason why I can't get up and do the things that he's doing every single day as well. So I try to just change it up a little bit each day with the running, a little bit of lifting, um, you know, some cardio. Just I just kind of mix it up a little bit. Just You know, if I can motivate one or two or three people to, to stay healthy, stay fit, you know, my job is done. My job is done. Yeah, and I think you're doing a great job of that. And you talked about Instagram. That's where we had our initial connection. I don't remember when um, I started doing it, um, connecting with you. When did you catch wind of Referee Rant? I was actually, because I'm also friends with Carlina on, on Instagram and Twitter as well. So I've always looked for, for you know, the the officials, the leaders, you know, at the Division One level, the WNBA level, the NBA level. And I wanted to see what they do on a regular basis, you know, because as opposed to watching them on television, mm-hmm. I'd like to be one of those people that people are watching on television. Mm. So I look at what they do as an inspiration. So that kind of got me connected with you because, you know, because you follow them and, you know, your comments on it. And then, then you have your own podcast. I'm like, you know what? Let me check this guy out because he's talking about a lot of topics that we can relate to. Um, and also being from New York City, because, you know, you talk about, you know, you follow a lot of people who have been an inspiration to a lot of, a lot of my generation, mm. people growing up in, you know, in New York City, mm-hmm. the, on the playground, because that's, that's where I had my start as a, as an athlete. And I just transitioned from being an athlete to officiating. Mm. Can't wait to hear that come up. Uh, but what has been gripping the nation and the world, of course, has been the coronavirus pandemic uh, that has been almost now we're nearing seven months and it seems like there's no end in sight. Um, there's no discernible direction everywhere. And of course, I think what's weird for you is that, you know, New York as a whole, we got hit so hard. Long Island, you know, Nassau, Suffolk County, uh, New York City. I'm pretty sure where you were, it wasn't hit as hard, but you had to have all of those precautions that we had. And now we're kind of in purgatory because our infection rate is so much lower than the rest of the country. Now it seems like it, it needs to kind of open up. We have to have like a, a real go at trying to open up, but we know what's going to happen. Everything is going to spike up. As we see from the past two weeks when schools have been opening up, um, you see the difficulty in trying to restart without having uh, minimal cases. So, you know, having said that, um, how were you holding up during the COVID-19 global pandemic? When was the moment that you took it serious, serious and were you in the midst of a game and then it got rescheduled or were you on the court or talk about those moments when you found out about it in relation to officiating? When I first found out about it was, was actually during the, the uh, New York state playoffs because my daughter was actually playing and I was in the stands and, you know, we heard the rumors about there's a, you know, there's a, a coronavirus. So I'm thinking, okay, um, what is it? How is it affecting us? And where are we going to go from here? And then once, you know, they had the big spike in Westchester County, um, it kind of blossomed from there. So where where I'm from up in northern New York, the cases weren't weren't as large as they, as they are in other places. Um, but having said that, I took it seriously from the beginning because 
you know, as an official, it wasn't I, my games weren't affected um, so much as some of the other, you know, my, the the state playoff games. Um, so my season was basically done once the pandemic hit. But having said that, I haven't been able to get on the court. Usually, I do AU tournaments, and we have clinics that I attend. Um, during the course of the summer, and that basically has come to a screeching halt. Mm. But I've been holding up great. Um, I've I've taken this seriously from day one because I'm I I'm a healthy individual, and I I'd like to stay healthy. Mm. You know, so I don't take any unnecessary risks where I kind of put myself out there where um, I'm going to be exposed to the to the coronavirus. Yeah, we we uh, urge you to continue to stay safe, and we know that you've pivoted in a way that not a lot of officials. Did. I know for me, I was kind of lost, and you could imagine. You're a ref, but, you know, I mean, you, you have other interests and, and you could stay athletic. When you are running a website on referees, how do you think I felt when there was no such thing as refereeing? <laughs> I was completely yes. lost in the beginning. But then I realized that there was a silver lining because there's so many officials just like you who had to pivot and figure something out to still stay connected. And hopefully I brought that sense of normalcy to be able to just continue to keep putting out all these podcasts so everyone can still feel enthusiastic about it. That way, just like you said, we can be ready instead of uh, and stay ready instead of trying to get ready. Um, what do you think you learned about yourself uh, during this whole duration? I, it, it's funny you say that because, you know, talking to several people, once the pandemic hit, it's almost like you had to hit the restart button. Mm -hmm. Where am I? Where do I want to be? And where am I? What direction am I headed at? So am I going to be one of these types that, you know, everything shut down, so I'm going to just kind of shut down with everything else? Or am I going to kind of switch things up and change my routine so I do stay active, I do stay connected to the game somehow, because sports as a whole shut down. You know, there was no NBA basketball, no yeah. league baseball, no football, no tournaments just to even go watch at the high school level. Uh, so, you know, you know basketball can't, because I'm used to traveling on the road all summer. If it's not officiating, it's traveling with my daughter playing right. basketball or going to camps across the country. So that came to a screeching halt. So what do I do? I hit the reset button. I'm like, all right, I know how I left last season off. So how am I going to make improvements to my game? So I end up going back and watching game footage of some mm -hmm. of my, my games, my collegiate games, mm -hmm. and seeing what I can work on to be better for this upcoming season. Mm. Um, whether that season is going to take place in January, uh, December, February, who knows if it's going to take place at all. But I want to be able to, once that bell rings, I want to be ready. I'm going to mm. put the stripes on. I got my Fox 40s ready. I'm going to get to it. Mm. Yeah, and I, I would imagine so that it would be an easy uh, transition when you do get back on the court. Two things that I did want to mention, though. Um, you did mention that you have been officiating for a very long time. Was this the first time that you haven't officiated in, in, in such a long duration. And also just your experience with your daughter who plays basketball at a high level. Was that weird for her? How did she handle the pandemic since basketball was so, it was just basically preempted for such a long time. So the, the funny story with that is when her season was shut down, she had just scored her thousand points in her junior year. Wow. So she has another full year to play. And once everything kind of shut down, it was like, now what is she going to do? Because I knew what my plan was. Mm -hmm. Once, you know, there was no basketball, I knew that I wanted to keep myself in shape. You know, I wanted to kind of stay grounded, stay, 
within the community because we weren't going to be able to travel and see who else I can help out. And in doing so, I actually got my daughter into saying that, you know what, you need to go out there and, and run sprints or work on what you feel are weaknesses for you, either on your jump shot or dribbling with your left hand. So she kind of stayed on top of that. So she actually has set up a little fitness center inside of the garage with, you know, with some jumping boxes and some, um, with some weight balls to do some, some sit-ups and work on her, her legs and things like that. So even though she's not been able to get on a court until um, two weekends ago in New Hampshire, she's, she's been ready. She's kind of staying on top of things. Um, probably not as much as I have because um, I'm a little older and a little bit more wiser in tune, in tune with my body because I know that I don't recover as quick as, you know, a 17, 18 year old. So, you know, my my conditioning and my way of staying in shape is a little different than her. But she, she was upset um, because her season has been shut down as well because this, for the 2021 uh, which she is a 2021, this was a pivotal season of summer for her to kind of get that maximum exposure for some of these college uh, coaches looking for, for players for the, for the 2021 season. Yeah, the way the way I can relate that too is, uh, you know, I coach a volleyball team out here and we're trying to defend the title that we won from last year, our league title, and a lot of the juniors that were on the team, obviously they're going to be seniors this year. We're kind of in limbo. I don't even know what's going to go on. I know that we are allowed to start practicing on the 21st of September, but until further notice, we aren't able to compete, which doesn't make any sense to me only because we have by around this time, we've already been in two weeks into our season and we haven't even started. And to just think that we don't even know when we're going to start. Normally our season wraps up, I want to say second week of November, and then I get straight into basketball. And, right. you know, all of that is just up in the air. So, you know, I really feel for those juniors becoming seniors and also, you know, seniors who their senior year just got upended and now they got to go into freshman year, right? With not Absolutely. even not even sure if they have to get, get into coronavirus. And then there's this other thing that's going on uh, around the nation. And, of course, it's all this racial injustice, all these peaceful protests and rallies. Um, we stand behind all of the lives have been lost uh, because of it and all of the, the, the social discord that's been happening. What are your thoughts on everything that's been happening since uh, the pandemic, you know, all the way from Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey, George Floyd, and of course, Jacob Blake. So 2020 has been a very, uh, very interesting year for a, a lot of reasons, because I feel right now there's a lot of racial divide um, because of, what's being perceived by some as nothing mm. uh, with, you know, with the, with the black being shot, you know, uh, Breonna Taylor with Ahmaud Arbery, you know, it's situations like that where as a black man, myself growing up in the projects in the Bronx, I got to experience some of this uh, racial bias, so to speak. And I got to feel that. And, I became a, a police officer as a career. That that was what I that, that's what I did as a career before I retired. But so being a black man, being a police officer, and seeing what has transpired, um, it's, it's to me it's it's disheartening. It's, mm. it's sickening, and that's not something that I was ever ever taught to do. You know, my mother raised me to treat everybody equally, um, and you know you. 
You earn everything that you get. Nothing is ever given to you. You know, they talk about this right, white privilege. I don't think people really understand what that means if you've never experienced being discriminated against, being biased against, and being looked at like like you're, you're, like you're weird. Mm. If you go into a supermarket, if you go into a car dealership, you know, uh, this, I'm not even going to pay this guy any money because I don't think he can afford, afford this car. Or you go into a supermarket and you're getting followed around because, you know, you have a, a hood on your head or you're wearing sweatpants or you don't fit the criteria of that particular area. Uh, so you stand out. So we want to see what this guy's doing or this girl's doing. And it's nothing. We're not doing anything. I'm in here buying groceries or, you know what, I want to purchase a car. Awareness. I think we need to have more awareness as to what's going on. And I don't really feel that the current administration is doing a good job with bringing the country together. Um, there's a lot of racial bias that's going on right now. And it's, it's sad because to me, it feels like we've taken a hundred steps backwards. And then you got people who don't think that racism exists. Um, it exists and it's here. So the same thing Martin Luther King was talking about back in the 60s, is the same thing that LeBron James and a lot of these athletes are still preaching to this day. Why is it that we still have to go over the same thing mm. over and over and over and over again to get our message across? So therefore, what do we do? We protest. Do I agree with the looting and the setting, setting things on fire and the you know breaking into businesses? Absolutely not. The peaceful protest to get our message across to show that, you know what, this there is racial bias within our communities. And it's, it's, to me, it's more prevalent in some of the um, more populated areas where you have a, a wide variety of police officers of all ethnicities, but yet they are not exposed to what we see on a daily basis. So they don't know how to kind of relate to what we have to deal with on a daily basis. People are nervous. Black folks are nervous when we get stopped, when we're walking on the street. Hey, you know what? Am I going to, when I leave my house during in the morning to go to work, am I going to come home to my family? Is something going to happen to me because of, you know, a police officer who not trained properly? Or, you know what? He thinks that this is his way of handling things. Oh, I have a black guy running away from me. I got to put seven bullets in his back. Or I got to put my knee on his neck to hold him down because I think he, um, he's a threat. We are perceived as threats. And we're peaceful. We're peaceful people. You just have to know how to relate, how to get along, and how to get past that whole racial bias wall that has been built um, and now has stories on it because of the current administration. Mm. So that, that's, that's basically my stance right now. Can, can it be fixed? It's going to take a long time to be fixed, but there are steps to be taken to kind of mitigate a lot of things that's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think that it's really easy, easily identifiable. And, you know, we're going to just keep the volume all the way up until something changes. And I'm united in your front. Um, I just think it's everything is just completely wrong, man. It, it's all about humanity. It's all about humanity. Exactly. Just treat everyone exactly. really well. So that that's why I do like the officiating because, you, as you know, there's a big brotherhood and a big sisterhood. 
that we're a big family because we are all united in our love of sports and officiating. And of course you had your love at some point. And, you know, having said that, where did you grow up? What did you play growing up? What did you play in middle school, high school, and in college? So I grew up in the Bronx, in the Soundview section of the Bronx, um, Soundview Projects, uh, in the in the seventies. So I, I, even though I was born in the sixties, you know, I was in the late sixties, seventies, um, and I was going to high school in the South Bronx. Um, and my main sport was basketball. Everybody played basketball, and if you weren't Hispanic, Hispanic played baseball. The blacks, we play basketball. We go out to Sandy Park, and that's where we kind of honed our skills. So, um, so that's what I did. So after I transitioned to high school, I actually played ran track in high school because the competition to play basketball was so um, competitive. You had to find other sports to get involved in. So it wasn't until I went to college um, that I'm like, you know what? I know I could play basketball. So then I tried out for the team. And my first year, I actually went up to my coach and said, hey, did I make the team? And he kind of gave me this sideways look and said, you know what? Why don't you come back next year? But I need you to work on X, Y, Z. So what did I do? Because I'm a competitive person. That just crushed me. So I went back and I honed my skills and to the point where I went back the next year and I made the team. Mm. So was I a starter? Absolutely not. Did I love the game and was passionate about the game? Absolutely. So that's what I did. I learned the game. I was a student of the game, just like going into officiating. Did I think I was the best official coming in? Absolutely not. So I, that's what I learned. And I had to study to see the people who were doing well. And I picked up a little bit of, of things from officials, players, coaches who, that I feel fits into my philosophy. You know, my, my philosophy as an official, my philosophy as a as an athlete, as a player growing up in the Bronx. Um, and once I got out of college, I'm a, I'm a New York State trooper. And from there, you know, I continued my career for 25 and a half years and retired. But during those years, I always stayed close to the game. And that's when I became an official. So I've been officiating for about a uh, total of about 18 years. I've been officiating. And I love the game. I love being around the game. Um, to me, that bridges the gap with so many things, uh, sports, not just within the black community, within everybody's community, because it brings people together. Mm-hmm. We have common goal. And it doesn't matter, you know, what people do once they leave the gym or once they leave these arenas. Once you're there, everybody's, everybody's a family. Like, we have one common goal. Mm-hmm. You know, we love the game. Now, when you, when you started officiating, how'd you get that bug? Because most people, they kind of stumble upon it. It's not something that they decide to do when they're a sophomore in high school. They don't go, all right, when I'm done and I graduate, I'm going to be an official. How did you stumble upon it? And when was the moment that you took it serious? Um, I had a friend of mine who, um, he was into officiating. At, at, of course, I didn't know it at, at that point. He was already officiating um, for about 10 years back then. And he was already uh, a collegiate uh, basketball official. So he's talking to me about it. He says, you know, you'd be a perfect candidate um, to go into officiating. So he said, you have a calm demeanor. You know, you have a, you have a, a court presence because of your height. 
and just your build. You have this athletic build. And those are the people who we're looking for to kind of get into it. So initially, I'm like, uh, so I didn't really take it seriously my first year. But then I realized, like, you know what? I'm in better shape, and I think I look the part better than some of these officials that I was working with at the time. So I started to take it seriously. I started to take my, my fitness um, seriously. Even the transitioning from playing the game of basketball to officiating, um, for people who don't realize, that's tough. Because as a player, you're trained to know where that ball is at all times. Not where the players are. You, you want to know where that ball is because that's your goal. Get the ball either offensively or defensively. But as an official, you have to, you're responsible for not only where that ball is, but you're responsible for the 10 players on the court as well as your partners on the court. So that was a, that was a big transition for me. Um, but the guy who kind of mentored me, he basically said, in order for you to get better, you need to be on the court working. So when he, you know, I thought he was joking. He says, you need to do at least 60 to 100 games in the summer. I looked at this guy like he was crazy. (laughs) He said, but that's the only way you're going to get better. Because there's one thing I always remember that to this day that he told me. He said, each game takes one thing that you want to work on. One thing. And the next day, something else. But look at film. Like, watch yourself. Even in a mirror. I know it looks funny. You know, you got a mirror in front of you and you're sitting there, you're working on your mechanics. You know, how do you report, in that, you know, on that box? You know, the whole walking and talking as you're reporting to the table. You know, be confident. Don't, you know, have a strong whistle. The little things like that that, you know, it took me a while to kind of catch on to where he was. And then finally he said, where do you see yourself in five years? Where, where do you see yourself going in five years or fish year? So I'm like, in five years, I'm going to be wrecking college basketball. So he looked at me and says, well, considering you have never worked a varsity high school basketball game, I get that you're ambitious, but we'll see what's going to happen. And guess what? Five years after I started repping high school, I was repping collegiate basketball because I knew that was a goal of mine. And I knew that this is what I need to do to, to get myself to that point. And I did it. And I've been in there ever since. And I love it. I love it. I've enjoyed Appreciating the game of basketball, I love watching the game of basketball. Mm. Yeah, I love the game of basketball and watching it as well. And you know, to me, the bubble has been a respite because we just haven't had it for so long, which is weird because it's like, you know, I was just talking to one of my buddies today. I felt like the first round of the NBA was the longest first round I've ever seen, but at the uh-huh. same time, it's like going really fast because, I mean, they're going to be in the finals in like two, two, three weeks. Pretty much, oh, because they're, they're trying to get out of there, man. <laughs> they don't want to be in the bubble because of all of the mental. But um, back to you, if you could officiate another sport, what would it be and why? If I could officiate another sport, it would probably be um, softball. Mm. And the reason why I say that is I I have a soft spot for the, for the women's game, either women's basketball, women's sports as a whole. So, and I have always felt that some people don't take women's sports seriously. Women's soccer, women's basketball, volleyball, softball. So, for me, I I, I want to be one of those people who kind of set the tone. Hey, if this guy can get into the game and excel at, in the women's game, 
um, then maybe I should do that as well. Because a lot of guys, when I first started the fishing, they're like, what are, you, what are you repping girls' basketball for? Girls can't play. I'm like, you know what? They Women's, women's sports, girls at the high school level, collegiate level, they deserve the same opportunities as guys. They shouldn't be discriminated against because guys as a whole, you know, with the egos that we carry around on our shoulders, think that we're so much better than the women's game. And we can, you know, those girls aren't good enough to compete at these high levels. So I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stay on the women's side. So softball would be the other sport that I, I think that I would officiate if I had an opportunity to. Mm. There's, there's some phenomenal athletes that are female. Phenomenal yeah, athletes. Absolutely. You know, so they deserve the same opportunity um, to play, and they deserve the same opportunity to get the best officials on their contest that they can get. You know, you, I work just as hard for a women's game than I do for a guy's game. You know, if I'm doing AU tournaments in the summer, same thing for high school. I don't look at this as a, oh, this, these are just girls playing tonight. I'm going to go out there and give 100% at a high school girls basketball game that I would at a women's college basketball game. The same preparation. I wear the same. I look professional. I wear a tie to every single game. If you ever saw me walk into a gym, you will know that guy's officiating tonight's contest, whether it's at the high school level or the collegiate level, because I'm the same way all the time. You know, I don't walk into a gym with sweatpants and look like one of the players or one of the fans coming in. You'll know, man, this guy's appreciating this game tonight. But that's that's how I've been taught. That's that's just the professionalism. And they deserve that. The women's game deserves that. I completely agree. Was there ever a moment in time early on in your career that you had to choose? Because that's always one of those things where, you know, I, I know for me out here, a lot of my friends – our men's college officials at the high school level, boys officials. And I still get the ability to do uh, boys high school, but I've decided to go into the women's route only because I've had so many great mentors that have pushed me that way. Did you had a similar uh, decision to make earlier on in your career? I did not. So when, when my, one of my mentors approached me, he never told me this, this is women or girls. He said, I want you to, get into the officiate. I want you to become a basketball official. So even though it's different mechanics and different rules that, you know, for guys and girls, basketball officiating, you know, is the same. You, the preparation is the same. So once I found out it was girls basketball, I'm like, okay, mm. I can do this. You know, so, and I said, and I stuck with it. I had an opportunity to go on the men's side, but you know what? I stuck with the women's side of, the, of, of basketball. Mm. And I'm glad I made that decision. Yeah, we need people like you, man. Um, you know, you did mention your mentor, how he has been guiding you all of this time, giving you sound advice through and through from start to finish. Um, and you probably consider yourself a mentor to so many people at this moment in time. If you can, you have the opportunity to list your mentors right now, what they've done for you in your career, and how do you think they've shaped the way you've helped people after you? So there's been, there has been a couple of people who I really have looked up to as far as the way they officiate the game, the way they handle themselves, and just the, the sound advice that they give you. And, you know, even with the advice that some of the officials and some of my mentors have given me, I still listen to that. And then I try to incorporate that with my own personality and the way I see the game as well. 
And then what I've done is taken that advice and I've kind of fine-tuned it. So that way I can, when I'm mentoring someone, I'm giving them a little bit of, of pieces that get, people have given me and then I take my pieces and we put, I put it all together and that's how I give back. So I've always been one to kind of, you know, pay it forward, to give back an opportunity that was given to me I want someone to have that same similar opportunity as well. Mm. Um, after everything you said, what do you think of the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time as a basketball official? One, nutrition. If I can talk to anybody as far as who the up-and-coming officials, even the officials that have still been around for a long time, you, you can make today better than yesterday. Nutrition, staying active, Staying in shape um, is pivotal to becoming a successful official at any level. You can't just sit around and rest on your morals because, you know what, last year I did an NCAA Final Four game. So this year I know I'm going to get an NCAA Final Four game or I'm going to be a national championship game. Mm. You can't have that mentality because guess what? There's somebody out there who is working, if not harder than you, just as hard as you. So I've taken on that role to this day that I'm not going to be outworked. You may get that step up on me, but I'm going to give it a 100% and I'm going to leave everything on the court. Man, I believe that when you say that. <laughs> I mean, I, that's just how I am. I, I'm just, listen, if you want to work, let's work. You may outwork me or you may, you may get that one step above me because you know what? You might be 20 years younger than I am, but mm. I can tell you one thing. I'm not going to quit. Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to work, you know, come, come work out with me. Come see what, one of, what I do on a daily basis, every single day of the week. And then you tell me whether or not you want to, you want to, you want to stay in my game. Mm. Cause it's not, it's good to be on the court officiating, blowing your whistles, what you do off the court, you know, staying in shape, eating right. You know, what you do to take care of yourself, um, Self-care is what I call it. Mm. After you get out of the concert, do you, do you leave a gymnasium or an arena and go to, to Burger King and get yourself a couple of Whoppers? Or do you have meal prep where, you know, you're going to get fruit, you know, or you're going to get a protein shake or something that you know that's going to help your body out. So that way that next day, you can, when that bell's ringing, you're, you're ready to go again. Mm. What do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go? And ultimately, where do you want to go? As a basketball official, I you know I, my dream my my ultimate dream is to work in the NCAA tournament. Um, I've worked some conference playoff games um, in the collegiate level, and and I've worked some state playoff games at the, the high school level. But my my goal is to get to the um, to to officiate in the NCAA tournament, and I'm going to do everything that's in my control to do that. So I'm going to put myself in the best position I can be for the people who make those decisions to decide, you know what? I see what this guy's doing. I see what kind of work he's putting it in. I'm going to give him an opportunity. And that opportunity is going to come. It's going to come. I believe because I'm, that. I'm, I'm preparing for that. Yeah, hopefully I'm doing that game with you, man. Uh, hey, listen, I'd love it. <laughs> I'd love it. <laughs> the, the thing is, I, I work really hard with this thing, so this might just kind of take me away from, from all that stuff. So I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm cool either way, because you know, as you can see, I love I love this just as much as officiating. Um, right. If you one of the things, if I can add, 
one of the things that, you know, I've never been afraid of is one, meeting new people and having an opportunity to, to do different things with different people. So if I have to travel four or five hours to do a contest and work with guys I've never met before and I've never worked with before, to me, that's, that makes me want to up my game to that next level versus working with a guy who, you know what, I've worked with this guy, you know, four or five games before in the, in the, in the past. I know what he's going to do on the court. So we have a good chemistry, but you know what? The more, the more people that you work with, the different people that you work with, you can develop a chemistry with, with, with a lot of people you work on a basketball court with. Because the common goal is, as long as you're doing the right mechanics, as long as you're in the right position, parts are interchangeable. The mechanics and the rules stay the same. The officials can change every night. Completely true. So. Completely true. And then imagine compounding that with uh, 10 other different sports that you completely officiate like myself, where it's like, you know, I got to just doing baseball is not even the same. I wouldn't even describe it the same way as I would, even though it's officiating. Uh, But back to you, what is your most stickiest situation that you've ever had on the basketball court as a basketball official? The stickiest situation? I try not to get myself in sticky situations. Um, But as far as probably one of the most, uh, game-changing situations that I was in. Um, it was a, it was, it was actually the last game of the season. It was two years ago. Um, two rival uh, collegiate teams were playing against each other. The, the winner moved on to the conference tournament. The loser went home. And the, the game was decided with three seconds to go on the clock. So, one of the things that one of my mentors told me is if you stay consistent all game long, then you may, a coach may question your call, but they're not going to sit there and say, why did you call that now where you haven't called that the whole entire game? So my philosophy is if I stay consistent, I try to be consistently good, not consistently bad on the court. Um, but it, it came down to this girl was, it was a flagrant foul. Were we going to call out of that situation at the end of the game where it was going to be decided whether this, this team was going to win and or lose? So guess what? There was a flagrant foul. Boom. I called it a flagrant foul. And we adjudicated as such. But the coach, even though she lost the game, she came up to me afterwards and said, you know, I have to commend you because a lot of people would not have made that call like that but you were consistent the whole game and you never changed that I didn't get myself overly excited you know that I came in with the correct call and she said my girl was wrong she did commit the flagrant foul but a lot of people would not have made that call at that at that stage of that game they would have called the foul but they might not have upgraded it to the, to the flagrant which that decided the, the contest mm. but you know that kind of felt me I felt good because you know sometimes we all second guess ourselves um, did we make the right call? Were we in the right position? You know, if you don't second guess yourself, then sometimes I don't do it a lot because I try to be in the right position to make the calls. But, you know, I try to leave my ego in the locker room, you know, and, and try to give the, the best the best game I can give for that particular night. Mm. Conversely, what is your best moment thus far as a basketball official? Best moment as an official. I would say my best moment as an official 
um, was the fact that I, between my, I think my second and third year of officiating collegiate basketball, because you never know, you know, who's watching the games, who's evaluating your games. But to see my hard work had been paid off with, with the amount of games that I, that I got, just the increase of the games that I got from one year to the next, because I, I stayed consistent, because I worked hard. So to me, that was one of the highlights of my officiating career. Um, and there's been games where it's like, you know, these are two very, very competitive teams. And, you know, as an official, you know, that's what you want. You want to have a, a well-played game at any level, and you want to, to give it 100%, you know, from the time that the clock starts to the, that final whistle at the end of the game. Mm. Um, so those, it's the things like that that really stand out to me. You know, I just like when, you know, it's a, it's a nice competitive contest. Girls are playing hard. The coaches are coaching hard, and the officials are working hard. To me, that's, that's, that's a highlight of, of, of my night as an official. Mm. Now, two more questions that I have for you, and, and I just have interest in this. So you have a daughter that plays basketball, and that's got to be tough because if you live in the same area, that means you basically have to avoid her games or you're working, and you can't work those games. How difficult exactly. is that that you are officiating while she's still – you know, going towards, you know, moments that you might miss that, that you can't recreate again. So here's what, here's where, you know, when you have a good coordinator at the collegiate level and high school level, um, knowing this, so I try to block out games when my daughter's playing. So with the exception of maybe one or two games over the last three years, I have not missed any of my daughter's games. Um, so even if I have to work a modified contest and then go over to my daughter's basketball game, I don't have a problem because as officials, we all start at the modified level. And is it the best basketball that's being played? No, because a lot of these modified programs, the girls are still learning. But for me not to miss any of my daughter's contests, I, that's, my, that's how I give back. I, I actually will work a modified game one night, go to my daughter's game, and then the very next day, I'm in the car driving to do a collegiate game. But that's, you know, that's how my typical week is. But I don't, I don't miss any of my daughter's games. Mm, that's awesome. That's that's good advice for me. I got to figure that out because my kids are getting older, and at some point, I'm going to have to do that. And you know, I never thought of that as an option that you could still kind of work and then um, block it out in those situations. Absolutely. Absolutely, and it's nice that she works at the she plays at the varsity level, so. The modified contest is usually early in the day. So even if I get there after the, you know, end of the first quarter, I'm there. My daughter knows that I'm there. I walk in the gym, um, and, you know, I, I don't miss any of her games. And I was certainly not going to miss when she scored a 1,000 points. Mm. There was no way I was working that night. Mm. Um, and my assignment knew that. In fact, he was there. He was at, he was at the game. Wow. Um, so that was a nice highlight for her. I mean, she – she did in front, in front of probably 800 people. So that was, that was nice. That was nice. That was, that was talking about a dad moment mm. as an official, as a coach, because I have coached her since the third grade. This is the first summit that I was not going to coach her. And she was going to play um, for another coach in her last AAU season. It was kind of a bittersweet moment for me 
um, to kind of not relinquish that control, but knowing that I can finally be a, a dad, I can finally be a parent and see her and watch her versus having to coach her or sometimes officiating one of her games. That's tough. I think officiating one of your daughter's games or your son's games is harder than coaching yeah. one of your daughter's games. <laughs> because you, not only do you have your child, if you call the foul because that one particular game, the first whistle that was blown was a foul on my own child. And guess what? I can hear her mother <laughs> yelling at me in the stand. Right. And then at the end of the day, my daughter has to get in the car with me, and she doesn't even speak to me. Mm. <laughs> so that's, that, that's tough. That's, that's tough. But you know what? At the end of the day, we laugh about it because it was either that or they got to or play a game with one official. Yeah. And to me, that's not, that's not fair to them. That's not fair to them. Yeah. So I jumped in the court and, you know, I, I rest the game. I try not to make a habit of that. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a sticky situation. You didn't mention that before. <laughs> yeah. That's, 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 that's sticky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But because listen, I know you got that integrity in you, so I wouldn't be concerned. Now, that's one of the things that, you know, my my parents instilled in me, you know, working as a, as a police officer, because you, the decisions you make when nobody's watching are the decisions that, you know, those always have to be the right decisions when people aren't watching you. Because if you can make the right decision when somebody's not watching you, you're going to make the right decision when people are watching you. That integrity, that consistency, you know. So I'm not going to do something when you're looking at me that's different than when you're not looking at me. It's going to be the same all the way around. You know, that's where the sincerity, that's where the integrity. You know, the people who know me know, you know what, he's a nice guy. He's not, he, for one thing, he's, he has a lot of integrity. He has a lot of respect. So he's not going to sit there and do something, you know, outside of our viewing area, so to speak, that he wouldn't do while we're watching. Mm. Yeah, keep that up. And the final question that I had for you is obviously you and your daughter are similar in the sense that you guys love the game of basketball, and of course you love the game of, offici- of officiating. I could see your daughter, after her collegiate career is all said and done, that she's probably going to be a high-level official. I wouldn't doubt that. But what I wanted to ask you is, with basketball and officiating, what is it given to you? What is it given to you in your life? It was it's given me more of an opportunity to um, still be active in the game um, because I'm still on the court. I'm not playing anymore, so now being an official, I'm still on the court. I'm still working. I'm still around the game at a high level. You know, so. Having said that, I need to stay in that shape. I need to stay consistent. So that way, from year to year, I'm 55 years old. And let me tell you something. I cannot run. I have not not been beaten down the court by anybody in in any game that I've officiated. And if I know that I'm going to get beat, I'm going to bust my hump to get to that end of the court to be in the right position to make that call. And that's only on one of these bang-bang transition plays where I'm just, all right, I need to, I need to hustle. So that's, that's one of my incentives to try to stay on top of the game, stay on top, stay on top of my nutrition, stay on top of my, my physicality, and just be ready. 
Mm. You know, I'm to me since last since January of of 2020. You know, we talk about COVID, but this had nothing to do with COVID. I'm I'm down to my weight when I left college. Wow. So I'm priding myself on that. That you know what, I'm in some of the best shape of my life. Mm. Some days, you know, my 55 year old knees tell me something different. <laughs> but as far as but as far as like you know that motivation to get up every day, you know, and there are days that are tough, harder than others to just try to stay in shape, to look the part. You know, when I put that that jersey on, man, I look good for this jersey. Mm. You know, so that's that's an incentive for me to just stay on top of the game and be around the game, and that's what's keeping me. That's what's keeping me going. And I would love for my daughter, once she's all said and done playing, to officiate. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Now. I guess the final question I did want to ask you is because you're in such great shape, but you're at an advanced age, especially when it comes to the officiating game. When do you think you're going to walk away? You're going to walk away on your terms. Do you think you're going to stop officiating when you're not effective on the court anymore? I'm going to walk away on my terms. When I, just like the day I decided I was going to retire, once I see that I can't perform at the highest level, whether that be at the collegiate level, high school level, I'm going to walk away on my terms. I'm not going to have a, a coordinator or, you know, my assignment saying, you know what, Steve, I'm not giving you a contract and me having to ask why. Because you know what? I will know why. If I'm not the best in the best shape that I can be, if I'm not bringing my A game every single night, I shouldn't have to ask why I didn't get a contract. I shouldn't have to ask why I didn't get those extra games. Because I, you should know. My pride is not that, my ego isn't, isn't that big where I have to second guess or question someone that I didn't get an opportunity that someone else got. That just means he worked harder for it. So I'm going to walk away on my turn. I'm not going to have someone decide that for me. Yeah, man. Listen, keep that energy up. Keep those healthy habits going. Um, I thank you. I thank you for all your contributions to the game of basketball, being a model citizen for any official that's starting out or at the highest levels of the game, you're an inspiration to all of us alike. Any final words you want to say before we part ways? Um, I just want people to just stay positive. Keep that positive energy going. We all have a voice to be heard. And people shouldn't stay silent if there's something that they feel that somebody needs to know. You know, We were given a voice for a reason, so let's communicate and let's motivate others to do great things let's let's not put someone down to make ourselves look better so if there's anything that we can do to give back to a community to give back to to people that are up and coming whether that be officials players let's do that let's take the gift that god gave us and give back to others mm. god didn't, didn't build a fruit tree for the tree to eat its own fruit that, that tree is bearing fruit for others to eat. So let's be that tree that bears fruit for people to eat. Mm-hmm. Man, keep it up, man. Inspiration to everyone. For Steve Ansari. Thanks, brother. I, I appreciate it, man. You are welcome. For Steve Ansari. I appreciate you. This is Ralph the Ref. This is The Ramp. We are signing out. Peace.